Faithful Citizen, The Arrival, Chapter 45. Bob and Tracy walked down the long dock. Bob looked over the broad expanse where the Choptank River met the Chesapeake Bay. Tracy peered over the end to see how deep it was, and did a necessary scan for shark fins. Tracy also pondered his last statement, which was, This is where you're supposed to live. As Tracy thought it, Bob was in hysterics. I just heard from God, Bob shouted, and he said, This is where we're supposed to live. Immediately, Tracy thought he should test that spirit, and faced Bob squarely. Oh, you mean rent that cabin for the weekend, Tracy asked quickly. Because that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go back up to the office, give Tom my credit card, and rent that cabin for the weekend. And Tracy turned to look across the river. This isn't fair, Lord, Tracy said to himself. I've only known Bob for nine months. You said it yourself, Tracy, he said. Remember, back in Ohio? And he quoted Tracy. If a woman can birth something in the natural in nine months, surely you can birth something in the supernatural. Tracy pondered that statement for a split second before Bob became dogmatic. Bob stomped his feet and pumped his arms for emphasis like a child. No, Tracy, Bob decreed. I did just hear from God, and he also told me to tell you to look. And Bob's arm went up of its own volition. Unknown to Bob, he pointed to the most southern end of the island. From the end of the dock, a very large cross was clearly visible. This was also the vantage point from which Tracy painted the vision and made it plain in the sixth grade. This moment was also the first time Tracy saw the cross since being on the property. Upon seeing it, Tracy was pulled out of his body. Immediately, Tracy was in what he recognized as the realm of his three-year-old existence. He was in the hospital room, and watched his three-year-old self about to be put into the ice water. However, now adult Tracy hovered in the air much like Scrooge, except there wasn't a spirit beside him as a guide. Instead, Tracy received a revelation that time was a series of frames, which he didn't yet fully understand. What was brought to Tracy's remembrance was from Hebrews 11.3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This understanding unfolded as Tracy hovered in the hospital room. He watched his three-year-old self fight the doctor so he wouldn't be put into the ice water. He watched Moody reach for his boy with tears in his eyes. The tall, shiny silver figure stood behind Moody with his hand outstretched. But looking at the scene as an adult, Tracy's emotions got the better of him. Because Moody had become Tracy's best friend in this world, he wanted his three-year-old self to go to Moody instead of the tall, shiny silver figure. Don't talk to strangers, Tracy cried to the three-year-old. To his surprise, three-year-old Tracy paused time and yelled, Stop! 
Then little Tracy looked up at adult Tracy and said, You cannot change the decisions we have made. The scene was now framed. The doctor held Tracy as a toddler above the white basin, and Moody and the tall, shiny silver figure stood on the other side. "'You are only here to understand why we made these decisions,' the toddler Tracy explained. "'And remember what we are supposed to do going forward. "'So ask questions so you can understand what we are supposed to do next.' And then the three-year-old spoke to Tracy in an excited whisper. "'Because we're about to see the book, and we haven't seen the book since I was in the hospital.' And Tracy's toddler self smiled broadly at adult Tracy. "'It has wonderful pictures in it, and he's about to let us see it again.' Then three-year-old Tracy instructed adult Tracy and addressed him by his name in the realm they were in. Now ask questions, 41, so we can see every detail in the book, little Tracy said. Tracy now knew the toddler's name was Three, which made everything so much easier. It was also revealed to 41 that Three was instructing him how to operate in this realm of existence because three was the closest in age to when they first saw the picture book. But don't get distracted, three said. We have a very unique opportunity to go back and see the picture book, which not everybody gets. Most get distracted by the beauty of heaven, and they get so distracted they don't want to leave. That statement made 41 think of Lucille, Harry's mother. She was so tired, she didn't want to leave heaven to say goodbye to Harry, the son who carried the blessing that had gotten them this far. "'Don't waste this moment smelling the flowers,' Three said again. "'They will always be there. They are part of creation. So don't marvel at creation. Seek the Creator.' As Three spoke, Forty-one realized three was just one of more selves he could meet, who could help guide all of them to their purpose. "'That's why we're here,' three confirmed. "'To learn more.' And three turned back into his frame of time. "'Ask questions,' three reminded. Then the toddler looked back at Moody and the tall, shiny silver figure to choose— and a manner of time resumed between 41's questions. Why do we go to the tall, shiny silver figure? Adult Tracy asked. Because he looks like what our imaginary friend sounds like, Three answered. Oh. And 41 remembered thinking that. Pay attention, Tracy, Three reminded again. And you're going to have to ask better questions if we're going to get any further. Which made Tracy think of Peter at the Transfiguration, blurting out how he wanted to build Moses, Elijah, and the Christ booths. God had to tell Peter to shut up and listen to his son. But then, three became so excited, he had to whisper again. We're getting ready to go. And three reached his hand out to him, and he took the child's hand. Then they were instantly warm and well. 
Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. But unlike what Tracy experienced when he was a toddler, three sat on the tall, shiny silver figure's lap, and forty-one stood behind the tall, shiny silver figure's chair. Forty-one looked over his shoulder, and he showed both of them the wonder. I want to show you some things, the tall, shiny silver figure said, and he spoke very fast. Then their book was open to them, and three was delighted, exactly as he was when he first saw the book. When they saw the page of Vera grabbing three under her arm, and racing to Freddy's grandparents' house, in a panic about the man who asked Tracy about the love walk, all of them laughed. Tracy also smelled his mom from her holding him under her arm, a fragrance he hadn't experienced in decades. Then the tall, shiny silver figure separated himself from himself, which he could do infinitely. As he kept showing three the picture book, from his loins up, the tall, shiny silver figure turned in his chair to look behind at forty-one. "'Do you have any questions?' he asked. "'Why did your voice change when I came back from sitting in your lap?' forty-one asked. "'Because you grew up in me,' the tall, shiny silver figure answered, and they went back to look at the picture book. Then forty-one-year-old Tracy realized he could go further. Tracy understood that he could study the déjà-vu moments in his picture book past his present age, and that he could review them to prepare. When the tall, shiny silver figure heard that, he fully separated from himself. He stood beside forty-one as his other self stayed with three. Then Tracy looked through his picture book past the age of forty-one. "'Tell me about this chapter,' Tracy said. "'The key, the door, the room, and the table.' And the tall, shiny silver figure looked at Tracy with the most joy Tracy had ever seen him have. "'It is interesting you would catch that,' he said. "'Are you going to ask about the chair?' "'The chair?' Tracy asked. Oh, yes, he said. The chair activates everything. What do you mean? You cannot get there unless you are seated and resting, he stated. The chair is actually the key, and the key is the access. And he paused for Tracy to absorb that information. So, now that you have access... And he smiled. Which was because you asked. And he winked. Because asking is the access. And Tracy understood that all of those words were synonymous. Then he took Tracy up two steps, because the kingdom of God wasn't far away. Tracy was expecting a giant escalator, or an endless ladder from the old covenant. But the journey to heaven was nowhere near as dramatic. Tracy simply turned to his left, took two comfortable steps up, and Tracy stood in front of what he knew was his door. 
the endless hallway was white, and all of the numerous doors seemed the same. Oh, Tracy said, this looks like what Mom went through. The door looked exactly like the one Tracy saw in the vision of the hospital with the partying imps, when Vera stood before her door at the top of the staircase, before she was taken up by his hands. The doors are identical, he confirmed. Beyond each door is unique to each individual. Your mother went to her room, but you have to ask permission to go into another's room, because you only have access to your own. So Tracy stopped wondering where his mother's door was. But I am here to show you your room, because you have to walk in this dual citizenship. Tracy stood on the threshold and checked to see if Three was okay. Of course he was more than fine, sitting on his lap, enjoying the wonders of the picture book. I am with you always, the tall shiny silver figure explained, which Tracy understood more deeply. The Lord was not only with Tracy in the present, he was with him in the past, and would be with him in the future simultaneously. Then Tracy took a step toward his door, and it opened like the pneumatic doors on the Starship Enterprise, just as he hoped. Tracy also knew the door opened because it knew him. When Tracy stepped into his room, it was all white, the walls, the single chair, and the long table that stretched the length of the narrow space. There were no windows, only a single doorframe at the far end to the left. His room wasn't what Tracy expected, but with great aplomb, the tall, shiny silver figure spread his arms in a grand gesture. Ta-da! he said, and was immensely pleased. Tracy heard Granny say, Fix your face, Tracy, which he did, because Tracy expected many rooms, marvelous furnishings, and exquisite music akin to the images in the picture book. Instead, Tracy heard crickets in the incredibly austere, long, white, empty room. Then Tracy was honest. What's so fabulous about this? Tracy asked. I was expecting a mansion. Immediately, he was in Tracy's face. Many people do, but they are the ones who have to decorate their room. And Tracy understood the term decorate was unlimited. One could have as many mansions or this one simple room, he explained. It depends on what you ask for. You have not because you ask not, Tracy recited. Exactly, the tall shiny silver figure said. They stood just inside the door. The chair was in front of them, before the long, narrow table, and the lesson Tracy was about to learn was important for both worlds. Just as you have to be seated and at rest in order to get to your room, he revealed, once you get here, you have to be seated at your table in order to activate it. Otherwise, it is just a blank room. Nothing will respond to you. What you see here right now is what a lot of people have on earth. They must get beyond that and start asking me for what they want, because my blood paid for them to do that. Once they are in their room, they have to keep asking. And he looked at Tracy and smiled. 
You have been decorating your room for a while. How come it looks blank? Tracy asked, and he was more pleased. It is blank because you did not sit in your chair to activate it, he answered. It is no different than putting your key in the lock of your door to your house on earth. Then you go inside, take off your coat, sit down on the couch, and grab the remote that activates your room. From that point, you can put the remote down any time you want, or get up for a snack, but your room will be activated until you leave. Tracy understood the remote as the way to activate the lights, TV, and stereo system in his living room at the townhouse. But he was unclear how his pristine, white, heavenly room correlated, so the tall, shiny silver figure answered. Have a seat, he said. As soon as Tracy went to sit, his chair pulled out and then pushed itself underneath him as he sat. Then a smorgasbord of food came alive on the table like at Thanksgiving. Simultaneously, lights and colors of all description decked the walls with fixtures, shelves, draperies, and ornaments. Exquisite music played, and doors appeared that joined to Tracy's other rooms, which Tracy knew could be infinite, room after room. But in this moment, the large picture frames were most fascinating. They were rainbow-colored and danced as a multifaceted prism. Within each frame were what looked like tall, thin strips of beveled glass, except they were slices of time captured in light. Similar to an accordion bellows, as Tracy approached, scenes from when he was eighteen expanded in order from his birthday on April 10th until April 9th the following year. Each frame was a different year of his life, and each bevel showed his life events in chronological order. As Tracy passed by a frame, that particular year of his life fanned out before him between the bevels. Then it was revealed that Tracy could go into each bevel, and he could experience that moment of twelve, or twenty-five, or thirty-three again, the same way Tracy experienced three before he was shown the picture book. Then Tracy knew that he needed to understand more. You mentioned a remote, Tracy said. Go back and sit down, he said, or it will not work. Tracy immediately went back to his chair and sat down. He looked for his remote on the table, but there was only the plethora of food. Tracy noticed the food was just past his reach, and smiled in the knowledge he wasn't to reach for it. That would be considered work, which wasn't allowed in such a place of rest. In heaven, work was speaking, which Tracy had learned from his lessons about speaking in tongues. But on earth, Tracy used his tongue to defeat demons. Now that Tracy was in heaven... His speech was something he wasn't sure how to operate. So, where's my remote? Tracy asked. What do you want? He asked. I don't understand. The remote is in your mouth, Tracy. Here, you really do speak and call things that be not as though they were. And then, they will be as soon as you speak them. 
Tracy still didn't understand, so the tall, shiny silver figure prompted Tracy to the next revelation. Now, he said, as opposed to yesterday or tomorrow, which he said as a joke, now it will work. And he looked at Tracy with anticipation. Right now. And he smiled. Now what do you want? So Tracy focused on now faith, and Tracy wanted his remote, because he understood his remote operated everything. I want my remote, Tracy said, in order to make it appear. Immediately, the door frame in the far left corner opened a door, and a tuxedoed butler came through the opening and stopped. He stood with his feet together at the end of the long, narrow table, and held a small tray. On it was a goblet and small plate. Then the butler walked around the end of the table and up the length, but he didn't say anything. The butler acknowledged the tall, shiny silver figure with a wink as he passed, and placed what Tracy recognized as communion elements within his reach, and instantly Tracy understood. Tracy knew his request had to go through the new covenant to be approved, which the tall, shiny silver figure had paid for. Tracy also knew that the butler was the Holy Spirit, and that he was here to take Tracy's order after he took communion. Further, as Tracy looked at the plate and the goblet, he understood the communion elements in heaven were God's word and the joy of the covenant. So, Tracy took communion as the tall, shiny silver figure and Holy Spirit looked on. Then, Tracy knew to make his request, and he asked for what he figured was the wisest thing. I want continual visits, Tracy stated, which made both smile as parents would. That is a given, the tall, shiny silver figure said. Because once you have received this revelation about communion, you can visit any time you want, as often as you do this. And Tracy understood. So ask for something else, he said, and it seemed he wanted to give Tracy another level of grace, but Tracy could only think of one thing. Just keep talking to me? Tracy asked, as if searching for the correct answer, and he smiled radiantly. Not only will I keep talking to you, I will talk to everyone who catches this revelation, the tall, shiny silver figure answered. Then the Holy Spirit took the tray. Tracy remained seated as he went down the length of the room, around the end of the table, and left through the door. Tracy knew that from that point on, he could come back to his table at any time. Tracy was also made to understand the Lord showed him his room for two reasons. First, communion in his room was necessary for him to go forward, and second, Tracy had to sit at his table in heaven and say yes, because he was about to say yes on earth. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.